Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Today the title is Joshua Predicts Palm Sunday. Joshua Predicts Palm Sunday, Joshua 5 10. Now we're actually in Joshua 6, as you already know. We've been, if you've been following along, we're in Joshua chapter 6. But uh, we just saw the walls come crashing down. Listen, if you missed the last three, it's been an amazing story. The walls of Jericho came crashing down. But we're going to come back to that in a couple weeks. But today I want to back up to a verse in chapter 5 that I bet most of you missed the significance of. Because this is Palm Sunday, as you know. Oh, my palm. I left mine on the back table there. Uh, Everybody's going to get a palm on the way out. We only give them on the way out because you have to get special insurance if if you get palms on the way in because everybody jabs each other and the kids fight with them and all that. So uh, we couldn't afford the special Palm Sunday insurance. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, get them on the way out at the door. They'll be handing up your palms to to remind you of some things. But we're going to find a connection to Palm Sunday with the book of Joshua. And I think I put out the question in the email and most of you missed it, but Nancy did get it. Nancy did get it. She got an A++++ for this one. And uh, good job, Nancy. Because there is a, a, a connection, Palm, in fact, I'll bet after today, Palm Sunday will never be quite the same for you again. It won't just be about a palm, but you'll see a really deep connection with the book of Joshua and throughout the whole Bible. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for worship today. And I know I needed worship, and I, I know we all, we all need it. It's just so great to connect with you through worship. We thank you for the gift that you've given us, that your spirit just moves in a special way. When we worship you, what a, what a, just a, a joy and a peace that comes upon us. And Father, we pray that now that as we've worshipped and our hearts and minds are open to you, that your word would touch us in a special way. I pray if someone here doesn't know you yet, that they would put their faith in you today. I pray that for all of us, even if we've put our faith in you already, that we would go much, much deeper in our faith because of your word. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua 5.10. Now, you have an outline in the bulletin. Everybody grab your outline there and kind of follow along because I'm going to do some pretty deep stuff today. But you have this outline to go back to and you can take it and listen again on the podcast or the, the YouTube and forget the CD. So you have this outline to work from. But we're just going to do one verse. But wow, what a verse. It's going to turn out to be Joshua 5.10. On the evening... Of the 14th day of the month, while camped in Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. Now, we already hit on the Passover early, but we're going to go a whole different direction with it today. Passover was celebrated on the 14th day of the first month, the Jewish calendar. 14th day of the first month. That was the day the Passover lamb was killed as Exodus 12, 6 commanded. We go back to Exodus 12, verse 6. And we see the command with Moses, take care of them, talking about the sheep, take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. So the, there's a command in the book of Exodus as they're coming out of, out of uh, Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. God had set them free. It's all a spiritual picture of, our, of us coming out of slavery to sin, to death, to Satan, and, and how God sets us free free and so we see that they were commanded to sacrifice the lamb on the 14th day does anybody know what day the lambs were chosen what day they had to pick their lamb nobody from jewish backgrounds can tell us on the 14th day what's what day did they pick the lamb 
The tenth day, yes, the tenth day was the lamb was picked. In fact, back uh, Exodus 12, back up to a couple verses, to verse 1 through 3, and it says, verse 1 to 3, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Every household had to pick a lamb, and we're going to talk more about that later, what kind of lamb it was, they had to take their best lamb to be slaughtered on the 14th. But they picked it on the 10th day. Now back to the book of Joshua. Back to Joshua. What We know Passover was celebrated. They celebrated the first Passover in a long, long time since they came out of Egypt. They hadn't been celebrating it, the first one. They, but that was on the 14th day. But what big event happened on the 10th day? Anybody know? What's that? Okay, well, hold on. You're getting ahead. No, no, no. Going back to Joshua. You you're already ruined my sermon, but thank you. Thank you. So, <laughs> but thank you. Get up here and preach it. Come on up and preach it. So, the, on the 10th day, what happened back in the book of Joshua? It was a triumphal entry, but what was it? Well, let's look at it. Joshua chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And we'll read it there. And you're already figuring this out on me. Uh, It says, verse 18, And the priest came up out of the river, carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. Wow. Back it up to the tenth day. The same day they crossed the River Jordan, they also selected their Passover lambs. Same day, same exact day. And remember, the crossing the river is a picture It's a prophetic picture. It's a spiritual, physical picture of a spiritual reality that that is a picture of Jesus' death and resurrection coming into the river and out of the river. We talked about that. And they picked the lamb the same day. It's all connected. And speaking of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, what day did Jesus celebrate the Passover and communion with his disciples? What day was it in the week? Thursday, Monday, Thursday, right? Some of you from that tradition uh, celebrate, still celebrate Monday, Thursday. Then on Friday, the next day, he died on the cross. He was sacrificed as the ultimate Passover lamb. And then on Sunday, three days later, Sunday, part of, one, a part of each day, he was resurrected on Sunday, okay? Now, regarding the Thursday Passover, okay? Going to have to be good at math at this. Go back four days from Monday, Thursday, Passover Thursday, and what day do you land on? Sunday. It's Sunday. Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. The triumphal entry was on Palm Sunday. It was four days before. The day that the lamb was picked, the day that the lamb, all the sheep, they're picking all their lambs. The day that the lambs were, were picked was the same day that G, God presented Jesus to Jerusalem. The same day. 
All over Jerusalem, these lambs are being chosen. The, the, every household, the, the, uh, the, male, the, the head male of every household was picking the lambs for his family, choosing them. And that is the same time. While these lambs are being picked, the same time that the crowd is shouting, Hosanna, as Jesus comes into Jerusalem. Same time. They were, and they were selecting, without knowing it, they were selecting the ultimate Passover lamb. Without even realizing it. That's what they were doing. And all this happened. Now, and now I'm coming back to this. All this happened the same day as in Joshua 4.19. It tells us that the Israelites crossed the Jordan River. There are no coincidences. Coincidences, as I like to call them, in the Bible. God has Joshua, which represents Jesus. Hebrew, Joshua. Greek Jesus, same exact, it's a picture of Jesus. He has Joshua lead Israel, which is a picture of us, through the Jordan, which, which means judgment. He has them lead them through the Jordan, which means judgment. On the same day, as they come out of that river, they, the lamb is picked for the Passover in Joshua. Same day, which is the same day, jumping ahead many years, jumping ahead, it's the same day that the, day that the ultimate Passover lamb is selected, just as they're coming through that river, it's a triumphal entry, right, into the promised land. It's the same day that Jesus' triumphal entry was on Palm Sunday, and that's the same day that the lambs were being picked, and it's the same day that Jesus is presented as the ultimate Passover lamb. Amazing. Prophetic picture. It's just incredible, isn't it? And, I mean, if there are so many... Pictures and prophetic proofs and prophecies fulfilled through G- by Jesus that if, if someone doesn't believe in Jesus, they have to not want to. There's no, it's not a question of proof. The prophecies and the prophetic pictures and, and all that he fulfilled, it's not a question of proof. It's a question of our heart. Will we open our heart to the proof or say, no, I won't? We're not rejecting proof. We're rejecting Jesus because it's, it's a fact. It's a fact. It, the, the, this is a picture of the cross in the Jordan and the Passover were fulfilled by Jesus' death and resurrection. And I want to focus on that Passover lamb today because we're coming up to Good Friday also. It's not only Palm, Sun, Palm Sunday, but we have Good Friday coming up. And I want to talk a little bit more about that Passover lamb, which was a substitute. Jesus was a substitute. He took our place. He took our punishment. John one twenty nine. John the Baptist said, Look! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what he came to do. And if you look at your outline, you can kind of follow along and you can be able to do this more uh, at home and stuff too. Go deeper. But the first point is in Exodus 12.5. In Exodus 12.5, he says this about the Lamb. The animals you choose must be your old males without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Usually it was the sheep. A lamb without defect could be no blemish. They had to be perfect, no defect. You couldn't take, oh, this lamb's going to die anyway, or this one's not worth anything, I'm just going to sacrifice it. No, it had to be the very best, the very best. It had to be perfect. First Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, verse 18, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. 
Jesus was without defect. He was perfect. He had never sinned. He never broke God's holy law. Never sinned. Only a perfect person could pay the price, could substitute for us. But who could that be? Who could take our place? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We've all sinned. So God had to send his one and only son in human form to die in our place. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God had the only solution was Jesus coming in human form, living a perfect life and dying in our place. It's the only solution. And I've used this illustration many times, but it's the perfect one, the death row. If If you, let's say you murder somebody and you are on death row, you're going to be executed tomorrow. You're in prison, you're in death row, you're going to be executed tomorrow, that's your date. And, 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 and let's say the, prison system allowed this, someone else on death row, a few doors down, who's going to be executed in seven days, puts their head out the door and says, hey, take me instead. I'll take their place. So they said, okay, switch. And you switch jail cells. Have they, done, have they saved you? No. They just bought you seven days, right? They just bought you a few more days. But you took their, they, they're also on death row. But let's say the chaplain coming into coming in to pray with you before you go to death row, he says, wait, take me. I'll take his place. I'll take their place. Have they helped you? Yeah, because that chaplain can walk out any time. And if you take his place, you can walk, we can walk out any time. They've taken our place. Because that chaplain, hopefully, has never murdered anybody, never killed anybody. He's not, not on death row. And that's what happened. We are all on death row. We all deserve an eternity in hell. We are separated from God for all eternity. And there's, someone has to pay that price. And we can't sub for each other. But only the perfect Lamb of God could take our place. He had never broken the law. He could take each one of our places in God's sight. Exodus 12.6. Exodus 12.6 says, Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. The Passover lamb had to be killed. Had to be killed. Romans 4.25. Romans 4.25 says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. He was delivered over to death for our sins. Our sins, just as they had to kill the lamb, our sins killed Jesus. When they, when they would put their hand on that lamb and, and, and kill it, they were putting their sins on the lamb. As a substitute. What was what that all about? Because it was looking forward to the ultimate Lamb of God who would take our sins on, on, on himself. And it was our sin that killed him. We, must, we all, just as they all had to kill the, that Passover lamb, we all killed Jesus. Listen, the Romans didn't kill Jesus. The Jews didn't kill Jesus. Throughout history, people said called Jews Jesus, the Jesus killer. That, that is not true. The Jews did not kill Jesus. We all killed Jesus. I killed him. You killed him. Every one of us killed Jesus. Our sin shouted, crucify him. It wasn't the mob. It wasn't the crowd. It was our sin that shouted, crucify him. We all killed him. And speaking of the crucifixion, Exodus 12, 46, interesting, says... 
Going down a little further, it says, it must, be, uh, it must be eaten inside one house. Take none of the meat outside the house. Do not break any of the bones. Do not break any of the bones. John chapter 19, verse 33 says, But when they came to Jesus and found he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who has sought has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may also believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be filled. Not one of his bones will be broken. Another prophetic picture that Jesus fulfilled by his death. And that lamb was Jesus, and they, you couldn't break the bones, and his bones couldn't be broken because he was fulfilling prophecy. Exodus twelve seven. Back to Exodus, another picture from the prophetic picture of the of the lamb. In Exodus twelve seven, it says, "Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs." Tops, door frames. You see the the picture, prophetic picture once again of the cross. And they had, the blood had to be applied. In Romans 3.25 it says, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Through faith in his blood. The blood has to be applied. We must put our faith in the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. And, and the reason I stress this is, is mental assent is not enough. We must put our faith, the blood, we have to, the blood has to be applied. We must put our faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not enough to just know about it. It's not enough just to believe in it. There has to be a complete faith in it. it completely putting our faith in the blood of Jesus Christ through faith. Faith means to cling to, to completely trust in it. Now, I was trying to think of a, a, a picture to help you understand what true faith is. And, and what came to mind was... Uh, Niagara Falls, where I'm from, near there, right? And in Niagara Falls, there's lots of stories about people who have done crazy things, going over in barrels, and, and the one boy fell out of the boat and went over the falls and survived. Uh, I don't know if you've followed, he's still alive today. Crazy, it's just unbelievable. But but at one point they allowed, now they've made it illegal to do any any dangerous things, any stunts at the falls. But at one time, it was a very common thing. And the, and the greatest, the most famous one of all was the great Blondine. Anybody ever heard of the great Blondine? He was in the 1850s. And he would, he would put a rope over the falls, over, right, over the, right over the edge of the falls there, the river, Niagara River. It's really scary. And he would walk over that. And he would do all kinds of things. He, one time he stopped and cooked breakfast on the rope. And, and you know, he would lay down. And he did all these crazy things. But the, the, the story I remember the, the best and, and the one that I think really brings this out. In fact, Blondine was so famous that uh, Abraham Lincoln, when he was running for re-election, 1864, compared himself to Blondine. He said, I'm like Blondine pushing his wheelbarrow trying to get this country forward. You know, and That's how well-known this guy was. Very, very famous. But the one time... He, walked, he set up the rope, and he got a big crowd together, and he walked across and walks back. Then he grabs a big old pole, and, and he takes the pole. And if you're ever in the falls, it's all wet. You know, there's mist. This rope had to be really slick. But he, t- he takes this pole, and he walks across, walks back. Just before you needed the visa or whatever, you know, to get back and forth between the U.S. and Canada. But anyway, we won't go there. But anyway, uh, 
Wait, that visa. What? Uh, help me. What? Passport. Thank you. Passport. 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 Yeah, you had to have your passport. Thank you. Uh, and so then the uh, then he uh, then he has the pole. Then he takes a wheelbarrow. Wheels it across, wheels it back. Now there's a big crowd. You know, this is a big deal. There's a lot of people there now. They're cheering. They're excited. He loads up the wheelbarrow with something. I'm, I'm using, there's many stories of Blondine and they veer off, but I'm using what I think is the, the, has the best uh, support for it, the most historical fact, because there's a lot of different variations of this. But then he loads it up with a sack of something, potatoes or something. He wheels it across, wheels it back. Now there's a big crowd. They're all excited. And then he says, dump out the wheelbarrow. And he says, who believes I could put a person in that wheelbarrow and wheel it across? Everybody raised their hand, threw up their hats, cheered, they all raised their hand, right? He said, who will get into that wheelbarrow? Nobody. Now there's stories, his mom and his son and all that. But uh, the, the best, the best, the most factual one is nobody got into that wheelbarrow. Nobody got in. Well, didn't they believe it? Sure, they believed it. But they hadn't put their faith. In him, when, when, when do you put your faith in Blondine? When you get in the wheelbarrow. We know he could do it. He did it many, many times. He never fell in. It's when we get into the wheelbarrow that we put our faith. And it's one thing to know about Jesus. It's one thing to know that he died on the cross. It's one thing to even believe it. But until we put our faith in him, we give our life to him, we put our trust in him, complete trust in him, to take us from earth to heaven, to, to get us through this life. We put our total trust in him. That's when the blood is applied. We'll come back to that in a little bit. Verse, and it's very important that we apply the blood because Exodus 12, 12 to 13 says this. On the, that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. The blood would satisfy God's judgment. It would satisfy God's wrath. That's what the blood did. And that's what the blood of Jesus Christ also did. In Romans 3.25, it says this through 27 this time. In Romans 3.25, it says... God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Synopsis there is that God has to be just. God is just. He, he's loving, but he's also just. Justice. He can't be bribed. He has to punish sin. That's justice. So he has a dilemma. He loves us, but sin must be paid for. Or if it's not paid for, if he just looks, overlooks it, God is no longer just. And that is a key attribute of God. Not just love, but justice. So what did he do? He had Jesus pay that price. He had Jesus pay the price. It's like, what if you come before a judge? Let's say, imagine you come before a judge and you have broken the law and the judge says this is what you have to pay and it's a price that's impossible to pay. There's no way you can pay it. 
What if, what if you say, I, I just can't pay that? So the judge says, well, just go free then. It's okay. Just, just walk out. Could he do that? Sure, they do it all the time. <laughs> a lot of things are being uncovered, aren't they? But would they be a just judge at that point? No, they would no longer be a just judge. And God cannot allow it to go. So he paid the price. He paid the price with the blood of his own, one and only son, Jesus Christ. He paid that price. He allowed his one and only son to die in our place so that we could become children of God. It's, 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 it's mind-boggling, isn't it? But that was the only solution. You ever watch Chronicles of Narnia or read the book? It's that picture. It's the only solution. Why would he do that? Because he loves us. God is just, but he's also loving. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son because he loves us and he has made a way out, but we must respond in faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That word believe means to put your faith in. It doesn't mean intellectual belief. It means to put your faith in. It's a heart belief. It's a complete trust in. And we must respond in faith to God's love or else we are still under God's wrath. John 3.36 Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. If you are here today and you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have not gotten into his wheelbarrow, you are under God's wrath. Every one of us at one point was under God's wrath. But we don't have to stay there because God made a way out. Have, we, have you acted on the sacrifice that God has made? The sacrifice of his one and only son. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever acted on the sacrifice of the ultimate Passover lamb that is in our place? I had a lamb once. And some of you have heard this, but, I, but it's, it's, it's perfect for the Passover. I always wanted a lamb. I grew up on a dairy farm and, and, and always wanted a lamb. I didn't like cows. I wanted a lamb really bad. My dad's like, son, no. Sheep and cows don't mix. Yeah, you've seen the cowboy movies, right? So, uh, uh, so no, he said, you can't have one. We've got cows. You've got dogs. You've got chickens. You've got cats. You've got, you know. Anyway, I begged, 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 begged. I really wanted a lamb. I always wanted a lamb. Isn't that weird that I wanted a lamb? Now I'm a pastor, right? Pastor means shepherd, right? So anyway, I wanted this lamb. And on my birthday, I was surprised. I don't even remember how old I was, maybe eight or something. I was just young, and they surprised me with a lamb. I was so excited. Loved my little lamb. And, uh, and they really do follow you everywhere. You know, they fo- followed me everywhere, and I had this lamb, and, and, I, and that I just was my best birthday ever. And I took that lamb that night, and I wanted to keep it in the house. My mom's like, no, put it in the barn with the cows, you know. So I had to go put it out in the barn, but I gave it its bottle. I filled it with a Pepsi bottle with, with milk and, and warmed it up and put a nipple on it and gave him its milk, and he was so excited. And, and then I took him out where the little calves were, and my mom, we tied it up. We put a little you know, rope around its neck and hooked it up just like the calves. They were all lined up and there was my little lamb with, with, the, with the calves and, and I went in, hugged it goodnight and I went in to, in the bed and 
just thought about my lamb, counted one sheep, and I uh, went to sleep. So next morning, I went running down the stairs to see my lamb, and my mom met me at the steps. She said, Chucky, your lamb is dead. Shocking, shocking, shocking. It turned out we didn't know it because we just had cows, but you don't tie sheep up because they, you, just don't, you just don't tie them up like you tie up a cow. A cow you tie up and they stand there and they chew their cud and they're happy. But, but you tie a lamb up and it, it doesn't like it and it tried, it tried to get away and it kept turning and twisting and it ended up hanging itself. I ran out there and here's my lamb hanging. Horrible, horrible thing. I was hysterical. Hysterical. I was so upset that my mom said, get in the car. (laughs) Drove me to the sheep farm where they got my lamb. Said, you can pick out another one. So, I remember going over to the the pen and the sheep farmer meets us and says, yeah, don't tie it up. (laughs) And, uh, And he took us over to this pen where there's a bunch of little little lambs, little sheepies, and, and uh, my mom says, pick one out. And this one ran right up to me, and I grabbed a hold of it. I said, I want this one. And it had this red stripe down its back, right, red stripe down its back. In fact, I looked in the whole pen, had, they all had these red stripes down their back. And I said, what's that for? And he's like, this is a slaughter pen. And they would take these, like, crayon, like, crayons and they scrape it down the back of the sheep and leave that red mark down the back and that's how they picked out the ones that were to be slaughtered and I took my lamb out and took it home and he was only alive because another lamb already died if the first lamb hadn't died he would have been slaughtered and I named him Sam, Sam the Ram Lamb, I call him. And, and he, I love that lamb, but he only lived because another one died. And it's the same for us, isn't it? That's exactly what happened for us. I only had him, my other lamb, for a day. And he died by accident, and I was so upset. I only had him for a day, and I was so upset, but he died by accident. The, think of the Passover lamb. Each, fa- each family had to pick out their best lamb. It had to be the favorite for the kids. And they had to kill it themselves. That had to be hard. But that's a picture of what God did for us. God didn't have his son for a day. He had him for all of eternity he had been with the Father. And he didn't die by accident. He died on purpose. The worst death imaginable. The, the crucifixion was the worst death the Roman Empire could imagine. They were experts at killing and torturing. This was the, the death they came up with. He died for us in our place so that we could get out of that slaughter pen. 
John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever responded to God's love and put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Passover lamb? This is a question. I'm asking you this question. I want you to remember it because this is a question that you will remember for all of eternity. How you answer this question, whether it's today or whenever you answer it, this is something you will remember in eternity. For all of eternity, the way you answer it, you will remember it either under God's judgment or in heaven with him. For all of eternity, how we answer this question. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever given your life to him? You can do that today. You can do that any day. You can do it right now. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And as Christians, some of us have already put our faith in Christ. Are we, do we appreciate what God did through his son Jesus? Are we living in a love relationship with God as our Father through His Son, filled with the Holy Spirit? That's why He died. That's why He sacrificed. God didn't sacrifice His Son just so we could go to heaven someday. Although that's going to be awesome. We all want. We all want to go there, right? It's going to be awesome. That's super. He did it so that we could have a relationship with Him right now because we can't. Until we put our faith in Jesus. He did it so that we could have a close relationship with God right now. And, and it just continues in heaven. That's just continuation. But it's, it starts here. And so many of us as Christians think, well, I put my faith in Jesus, but you know, now Christianity is just about rules. Just about rules i got to follow. I can't have any fun. That's not it. It's about a relationship. A loving relationship with God as our Father. And the more that we realize His love for us, we realize that he has a purpose for our life. And the more, when we realize that, the more we realize God's love and really appreciate God's love, the more we want to get rid of the sin. It's not fun. It's garbage. It's, it, it's well, on the farm we had names for it, but I'm not going to say what we call it. But it, it's, it's garbage. It's manure that, that hinders our relationship with God, this loving relationship. It hinders God's purpose, his good purpose for our life. But as we really realize God's love for us, we realize his love and that he, want, he loves us and he wants what's best for us. So anything in here that says to live a certain way is not to keep us from fun, but it's to let us really live life and really have joy and really have peace. That's what his love is for, and that's why Jesus died for us. And as you take a palm today on your way out, as you grab your palm, I want, I want it to be a reminder of God's love. Every time you see this palm until it wilts away, you keep it somewhere. Some of you, I've seen some of you with it in the cars, you know, on the mirrors, you know, Joe. And then you keep it, it's a reminder of every time we look at it, that's God's love. How much he sacrificed for us. Will we give him our love? Will we give him our life? Maybe putting our faith in him or, or living for him. Will we do that? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us?
Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you know all about him. You know he died on the cross. He died for our sins. You know, you believe, believe it even, but you've never put your faith in Jesus. As a substitute, you've never given your life to God. Today could be that day. The day that you become a child of God and you enter into a love relationship and you have a whole new purpose for your life. God's purpose. He will fill that emptiness. He will fill our hearts in a way that we can't even imagine if we will put our faith in Jesus. But it's not just in our intellectual ascent. It's a heart faith. It's getting into that wheelbarrow. And right before every one of us today is Jesus is holding a wheelbarrow. And he's saying, will you get in and trust me? Will you get in and put your faith in me? Let me take you through this life and into eternity. Will you get into that wheelbarrow right now? It's a prayer of faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's a simple prayer of faith. God, please forgive my sin. Anything I've ever done that goes against your word or your will for my life, please forgive my sin. I repent of it. I repent. I turn away. I put my faith in your son, Jesus. I get into his wheelbarrow. I give him control of my life. If you have prayed that prayer this morning, you have just gone from being a child of wrath to a child of mercy, a child of grace, a child of God. You are now in a a relationship, a close, loving relationship with God, and you are in for the shock of your life because the Holy Spirit is living in you now. And you will be able to talk to God anytime, anywhere, and the Bible will come alive. It will be like fire, and, and you, your life will never be the same. You're going to have God's power to fight the battles that you have to fight. I want to encourage you, if you've prayed that prayer of faith, you've gotten into that wheelbarrow called Jesus Christ, that you let somebody know. Tell me on the way out, fill out the card, Text, email. If you ever hear with a family member or a friend, tell them. Let somebody know so that we could be excited for you and encourage you in your new life in Christ.
for the rest of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us as we're praying now? Maybe you've tried to jump out of that wheelbarrow. Maybe you've tried to take control of your life and we've tried to live life the way we want to live it. Even though we've given our life to Christ, we've, we've tried to take control. But once we get in that wheelbarrow, we're not just saved going from one side of the river to the other, but we are also giving control of our life to God. How do we need to surrender to God today as Christians? Do we realize that God wants a relationship with us? It's not about rules, but he wants a relationship with us, a close relationship. And we live a holy life not because we're following rules, but because, we, because of his love, because we know God loves us and wants what's best for us. Father, we pray that every time we look at these palms that we take home today, that it would be a reminder of your love for us, your awesome love for us, how much you love us, and how much you've sacrificed for us, and, and how much you want us to live a great life, not a life of scars and wounds and hurting other people and emptiness, but you want us to live a great life, a life with ultimate meaning and eternal value. And I pray that whatever blocks that, whether it's a holiness issue or a priority issue or whatever it is, Lord, that we would, this, the palm would be a reminder to, to live a surrendered life, riding in that wheelbarrow, wherever you take us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.